Good evening. This is Radio Free Bichel. I'm Alphonse. Tonight, totalitarianism. Imagine you're lonely. I'm not talking about solitude. I'm not talking about the wind in the trees or the songs of birds and that feeling of being connected to all creation. I'm talking more about what it feels like when you're on the train to work and the people who are around you look right through you as if you're not there. I'm talking about the feeling that you have problems and there's no one to talk to. And the more people are around you, the more you feel alone. The world doesn't make sense. It seems random, arbitrary, without meaning. You've done all the right things. You've worked hard. You're not getting ahead. You're not finding out what it's all about. Some groups are doing very well. They're helping people like them, but they're not helping people like you. I mean, it's not fair. It, a lot of people know that it's not fair. Now, there's a movement. And the movement, there are rumors it's a little bit crazy, a little bit radical. It, it has an explanation. There's privilege. There's favoritism. There's power taken unfairly. And although you've heard these rumors about it maybe being a little crazy, you notice more and more that people around you are sympathetic to the movement. And these people aren't crazy. They're not radical. They don't want to hurt anybody. You know these people. You learn that it's a big story. It's not just you. There are lots of people who feel this way. And a lot of people think there's something to it. You know, you get on your own and you start thinking about it. You think about that privilege and that power and that injustice, and it's really clear. I mean, there's real truth to it. This, this makes sense. It would explain so much. So you join the movement. And the movement, it does things. It doesn't just talk. It goes out and it protests. It makes changes. It gets bad people removed. It helps good people. And you find that when everyone is together, everyone is on the same side, things can change. You know now that enough is enough. And you're not just doing this for you. You're doing it to help everyone else and the people who come after. You realize, in fact, that the injustice was so great that it had to happen one day. It was inevitable. And the only people standing against it, in fact, even people who are simply neutral and do nothing, those are the people all they want to do is keep the status quo. In effect, they're favoring injustice. Hannah Arendt was a Jew who fled Germany when Hitler took power. She fled to France, then to the United States. And in 1951, she published a book, The Origins of Totalitarianism, which was trying to explain what had happened both in Nazi Germany and in Russia under Stalin. And there are four factors that I take, or four ideas that I want to focus on from what Arendt described. The first of these and I've tried to illustrate all of them. The first of these is loneliness. You see, reality has a problem. It really isn't a good story. It's inconsistent. A lot of things don't make sense. A lot of things aren't explained. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. It has gaps. It has holes that, that never get filled. What a totalitarian ideology offers is a big lie, a myth 
a story so big that it can fill all those gaps. When you compare the big lie to actual reality, the big lie looks truer. It looks like a better story that explains more and is more meaningful. The second idea is logic. We get a lot of our knowledge about the world through interacting with it, observing it, testing things, seeing whether things are true or false, whether they work or whether they don't work. But when we're all alone, the only real kind of thought that we can do is logic. We can start with a premise, and we can develop it, and we can develop it further and see where it goes. But as Arendt says, as she warns, the problem with logic is it doesn't really generate new knowledge. Everything it produces was there at the premise, or perhaps as an error. And as you proceed with your chain of logic, you can get farther and farther from reality. Which really isn't surprising, because if reality, if the real world kind of doesn't make sense, then logic isn't necessarily going to get you there. The third thing that Arendt talks about, the real innovation that she credits to totalitarianism, is sympathizers, or what we might call allies. A totalitarian movement doesn't just have members. Crucially, it also has these allies around it. These are people who have not joined the movement, but who sympathize with it, who share some of its ideas and goals, and they perform a vital function for helping the movement rise and help it succeed. The first of these functions is that for outsiders, they make the movement seem normal. There may be radicals in the movement who believe crazy things or hateful things, but if most of the people you see who are talking about it and sympathetic to it are reasonable, ordinary people, they make it look normal. It makes it look as if those radicals are just a few bad apples. That's not really what it's about. The second function that these allies perform is for those who are inside the movement. If you're in the movement and you're starting to uh, agree with its beliefs, then if you're surrounded by people who sympathize with the movement, it seems like you're in a majority, as if everybody's on your side, as if nobody disagrees with you, and you don't encounter people who have other ideas. And as you move deeper and deeper into the movement, as you become more of a believer in its core ideas, as you discover how far it's willing to go, at every moment you're surrounded by people who are thinking just like that, but maybe not just so far along. Arendt says that a totalitarian movement is like a secret society that isn't secret. Even within it, it has gradations, just like the, the sympathizers and the movement members. You have people inside who have moved to a certain level and other people who have moved farther along. And if you look around you, and you see these people, and they have similar views, you think, well, you know, I'm just more advanced than they are. When they figure it out, when they reason it through, they'll follow me to where I am. And so these allies create this insulation, this protection that allows the movement to grow without seem, seeming too radical from the outside, and that allows the people on the inside to proceed and become more extreme without noticing that they're becoming more extreme without perhaps ever confronting someone who disagrees. What it does, she says, is it blunts that conflict. If a totalitarian movement thrives, or at its heart, has this conflict between itself and something it's fighting against, what the sympathizers do is blunt that conflict and make it look as if this is a natural progression.
The fourth factor is action, movement. The Nazis talked about themselves as a movement, the Bewegung. The big lie that the movement tells isn't enough. I mean, people don't just want ideas. The real problem in life, if, say, you're lonely or unhappy or you're not finding meaning, isn't just a matter of what you think. It's a matter of what you do. How do I live my life? How do I solve these problems? Well, the movement solves that or addresses it through movement, through action. And it proves that its false reality, that the myth that it tells, is true through that action. For example, if the movement tells you that race is everything, and you find, in fact, that whether you get a job depends on your race, and whether you have friends or are able to join social groups or social activities depends on your race, whether you get food rations depends on your race, indeed, in the end, whether you live at all depends on your race, then the movement has proved the lie correct. As long as the movement is creating its own reality, it can make the big lie seem true. So the movement has to keep moving. It has to continually make what it, its leaders may call predictions, but are in fact intentions that then have to be realized. At even very high cost, it's worthwhile for the leadership and for the movement to make its actions happen, to make things happen so that the lie seems to be true, because if it loses that momentum, it may lose the faith of its believers. But so long as it has that momentum, it can be very hard to stop. Because when you're in this movement, and it seems so powerful, and everybody is on the same, same side, and they're all moving in the same direction, it can see as if this is an inevitable part of history. You know, at first you may have thought that you need to fight for the movement to make it progress, but now it seems that this was going to happen anyway. And the only question is, are you going to join with history, or are you going to be off to the side, irrelevant? It's not enough for the movement, in fact, if you choose to support it. Because choosing to agree is still a choice. If the movement is inevitable, there are no choices. This compulsion can be so strong that people give up their lives for it. Arendt gives the example of Stalin's secret police. He would send the police to pick someone up. They pick you up and they accuse you. They say, well, you have been... You pretend to be a faithful member of the movement, but in fact you betrayed us. And they accuse you of something that you did not do, and they ask you to confess. You say, I didn't do it. And they say, it doesn't matter, comrade. If you didn't do it, you still need to confess, because that's what the movement asks of you. Do you want to stand in the way of history, or do you want to help us succeed? And you're left with a terrible choice. Because if you refuse to confess, they will still kill you. But your life will be meaningless. It will be as if you had never lived. If, on the other hand, you confess, at least you will be helping something that you believed in and fought for. At least your life will have meaning. You notice in my description of all of this, up until that last example, I said nothing about violence because that's not the core concept of totalitarianism. It's not about what prejudices it has or what groups it hates. It's about dissolving individual into the total 
organism. The idea that society is like a creature or a machine, and every person has their role in that machine. That politics is everywhere. There is no private place you can go. There is no personal. There is only political. The movement is total. And that's why it's called totalitarianism. This is Alphonse for Radio Free Bichelle. B-E-S-Z-E-L. Good night.